Hey, Crime Salad listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad. My name's Ashley, and with me always is my partner in crime, Ricky. Hey, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for this being a day late. We have painters coming Friday, which is tomorrow, according uh, to today. (laughs) So We're recording the intro today. Yeah, we're recording the intro We've been working on the episode all freaking week. (laughs) Yeah, in between just people coming in and out and the baby, and it's been a very eventful week. So basically, we moved into the house. We had movers put everything like where it needs to be. Now we're getting painting and flooring done for the entire house, so we have to move everything back up. So we did. We just have a few things like couch, like two couches and a mattress and... But no things. movers this time. Like, we're doing it all. Yeah. So uh, we're moving back into Ricky's parents' basement for a week starting tonight. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And um, we have three dogs and they have... Three dogs. Three dogs? Eight dogs. Eight dogs. <laughs> so it's going to just be... <laughs> Like a, um, it's going to be a giant dog pack running yeah, around and a baby screaming and Pug's, us trying to do the podcast. So I think Pug's going to turn feral. <laughs> um, but we do have one more episode of bad sound because we are getting a, what's it called? Whisper room sound booth. Woo. That sounds exciting. That's, it sounds expensive. <laughs> sounds expensive. How much? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little expensive, but I've wanted one for like. Probably five years. Yeah. At least. Yeah. And the echo will be removed. Plus we can like do whatever we want. Like we can move it. We can, you know. Yeah. We can go outside and record. You can go outside and record. We can do whatever we want. So we do have one patron that we would like to shout out. Thank you so much, Jessica, for uh, becoming a patron. We really appreciate it. Woo. Woo. Thanks for your support. And anything else you'd like to add? My head hurts. Your head hurts? Mm -hmm. My feet hurt. All right, so let's jump into this week's episode. If you turned on the news at all this month, then we're sure almost all of you have heard about this case. It's been everywhere for the past few weeks. Beyond people's interest in the mystery behind the case itself, the disappearance and death of Gabby Petito has brought up important conversations about unseen domestic abuse, which cases get prioritized in the media, and how regular people can make the biggest difference when solving cases. We'll try to give you as much of the backstory about what is known in this case, but at this point, it's still unfolding. Born on March 19, 1999, Gabby Petito was the firstborn child of Joe and Nicole. The new parents eventually divorced and remarried, and by the time she was in her 20s, Gabby was the oldest sister to six siblings and half-siblings. Her family lived in Blue Point, New York, a small hamlet on Long Island with a population of about 5,000 people. Gabby was a warm, bubbly, and friendly girl with big dreams. 
everyone who knew her had kind things to say about her, particularly that she was full of life and always smiling. Gabby was always someone who was willing to help others, and she went out of her way to be kind to everyone. Even from a young age, she was the light in many people's lives. Gabby attended Bayport Blue Point High School in Long Island, New York, and it was there that she met Brian Laundrie. Brian was the youngest child of Christopher and Roberta Laundrie. He had one older sister, Cassie, who was nine years older than him. Like Gabby, he had similar interests in traveling, nature, and art. Though he was a year older than her, they quickly hit it off and began dating in 2017, the year that Gabby graduated from high school. After spending a couple years together in Blue Point, the couple decided to move to Northport, Florida to live with Brian's parents. Though the Laundries were Long Island natives, they had moved to Florida to start a company of their own in 2017. Christopher and Roberta ran Juicer Services, a company that services commercial juicing equipment. They ran the company out of their home and were elated to hear that Gabby and Brian were coming to live with them in 2019. In Northport, Gabby got a job as a pharmacy technician at the same Publix grocery store where Brian worked. Gabby and Brian were working to save up enough money to get a camper van of their own and travel the country. Gabby, with the help of Brian occasionally, ran a YouTube channel and Instagram that were quickly growing in popularity. Gabby's YouTube channel called Nomadic Static had 87.4 thousand subscribers, while her Instagram was quickly approaching 1 million. Gabby recorded her road trips, hikes, life, and time spent in nature. Gabby and Brian were planning on documenting their trip across the country to share on YouTube and Instagram to her many, many followers. Gabby's Instagram bio reads, traveling the world in our tiny van, art, yoga, and veggies. By all accounts, Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie were deeply in love. They frequently posted loving photos of each other on social media and spent much of their time with each other's families. In July of 2020, after they had been dating for three years or so, Brian proposed to Gabby and she excitedly said yes, posting photos of her ring and happy smile on Instagram. This past July, Gabby's brother was graduating from high school in Blue Point, New York. The couple attended the graduation and set out to start their cross-country trip from there. They didn't quite get the camper van they dreamed of, but instead took Gabby's white Ford van. Gabby and Brian started their trip and headed to the West Coast via state and national parks. In all, they planned to be gone for four months and to document the entire trip on their social media and YouTube channel. Though her parents were going to miss her, Gabby promised to remain in contact with them the entire time she was traveling. Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie left from Blue Point, New York on July 2nd, 2021. Their first confirmed stop was in Grove County, Kansas, where Gabby posted pictures from Monument Rocks on the 4th of July. From there, they made their way to Colorado Springs and then spent July 10th and 11th at the Great Sand Dunes in Colorado. Between the 16th and 31st, Gabby posted pictures of herself and Brian smiling and happy from places all around Utah, including Zion National Park, 
Bryce Cannon, Cannon Lands, and Mystic Hot Springs. As far as Gabby was letting on, and that anyone can tell from the photos, this was the trip of a lifetime, and she was loving every minute of it. What happened on August 12, 2021 in Moab, Utah, paints quite a different story than what Gabby was sharing on social media. Just outside the Moonflower Community Cooperative, police were called after someone witnessed a dispute between Gabby and Brian turned violent. According to a witness, the argument seemed to be over something on Gabby's phone, which Brian had aggressively taken from her. The witness told police that it seemed as if Brian was trying to leave without her, refusing to let Gabby get into the van or give her her phone back. Gabby, in an effort to get back in the car, was seen punching him in the arm or the face as she tried to get back into the car. Eventually, Gabby was able to climb over his lap and into the passenger seat. Another witness, the one who actually called the fight into the police, shared that they had seen Brian slap Gabby and aggressively grab her face. Police responded to the caller's reports to prevent any more violence. When they arrived at Gabby and Brian's van, they noted that Brian did have some scratches on his arms, but he for the most part seemed calm and collected. Gabby, on the other hand, appeared distraught, and as she talked with the officers, took much of the blame for what had happened herself. They assured the police that they were in love, engaged to be married, and desperately didn't want anyone charged with a crime. According to the officer on the scene, Eric Pratt, the police officers suggested that perhaps they spend some time apart so that they could cool down for the night without tensions escalating more. But both adamantly objected to that idea, not wanting to be separated at all. The officers described Gabby as confused and emotional. To them, it seemed like it was more of a mental health crisis and less of a domestic assault. By the last week of August, Brian and Gabby were on to their next location, Wyoming. On August 24th, Gabby FaceTimed her mom to let her know that they were leaving the Fairfield Inn in Salt Lake City, Utah, and headed towards Grand Teton National Park. Based on texts to her mom, it appeared that Brian and Gabby made it to the park the next day, and they ended up staying at least the next few days. During this week on the 27th, the couple had lunch at a Tex-Mex restaurant in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. While at the restaurant, Brian got into an argument with the manager, a waitress, and the hostess, aggressively talking to them and being generally rude. Gabby was so embarrassed about his behavior that she came back to the restaurant later, crying, to apologize for his behavior. That night, Gabby shared with her friends back home that she and Brian were planning on heading to Yellowstone next. From here on, there is some question on what really happened the last few days of August. What we know is that on August 30th, a text was sent from Gabby's phone saying, no service in Yosemite. But Yosemite National Park is 800 miles from the Grand Tetons and not where she was supposed to be headed next. It also appears that Brian was by himself on the night of August 29th. He had been hitchhiking and picked up in Coulter Bay, Wyoming. Miranda Baker, the woman who allegedly picked him up and told her story on TikTok, 
said that he offered them $200 for a 30-minute ride to Jackson. He told them that he had been camping by himself while Gabby was working at their van on social media posts. During the ride, Brian learned that Miranda was actually headed towards Jackson Hole. And when he found out that's where they were going, he freaked out and demanded to be let out of the car. Miranda let Brian out near Jackson Dam. From there, it seems that Brian may have been picked up by another driver, a local woman named Norma Jean Jalovic, and was taken to the Spread Creek camping area. He also told Norma Jean that Gabby was working at their van while he did some camping. When they made it to Spread Creek, he wanted to be dropped off right at the entrance. Both of the women who gave him rides suggested that Brian didn't quite look like someone who had spent a few days camping in the wilderness. He was too clean. Besides the two stories of Brian hitchhiking in Wyoming, little is known between the blow up at the restaurant on the 27th of August and a few days later on September 1st, when Brian Laundrie returned to his parents' home in Northport, Florida, alone. The white van that Gabby and Brian had taken on their road trip was also found at home, parked in their garage. But where was Gabby? A few days after returning home without his fiancée on the 6th of September, Brian and his parents left Northport to go camping and stayed at a campground 75 miles from home. They returned on the 8th. Another few days passed and on September 11th, after not being able to get in contact with Gabby for nearly two weeks, the Petito family, who still lives in New York, called the Suffolk County Police to report her missing. While it was normal for them to go a bit of time without talking to Gabby while traveling, they knew that this was too long for her to have not reached out or replied to their messages. Knowing that Gabby was living in Northport with the Laundries, the Suffolk police reached out to the Northport police to see if they could find Gabby and for them to talk with Brian and his parents. Given that she was on a trip with Brian, it was assumed that he was one of, if not the last person to see her. When the police arrived at the Laundries Florida home, they were essentially handed the information for the Laundries attorney, according to one officer. Brian and his parents didn't seem interested in helping the Petito family find Gabby. The Petitos were shocked. Why would their soon-to-be son-in-law not want to help them find his fiancée? On the 14th of September, the Petitos issued a statement asking the public for any information and emphasized Brian's lack of cooperation. Police in Florida echoed this sentiment, saying that his lack of support was actively hindering their investigation. In response, Brian's family's lawyer issued a statement that the police had labeled Brian as a person of interest, and that Brian's lack of involvement was to prevent the police from using anything that he said against him as the investigation unfolded. While perhaps from a legal perspective, this makes sense, to the public, Brian's silence only made him look all the more guilty. Have you ever had an acne breakout come at the worst possible time? 
I know I have. One thing that always seems to happen to me before a wedding or some kind of event is I will get a giant pimple emerging from my face. We've all had struggles with our skin, and that's why we are excited to partner with Apostrophe, the sponsor of this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history. Then snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats acne, and they also can help you hit your other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. My personal skincare goal is to have clearer skin that looks healthy. Using Apostrophe, I have been getting amazing results so far, and it's now a part of my daily skincare routine. Save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash crime salad when you use our code crime salad. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash crime salad and click begin visit. Then use our code crime salad at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash crime salad and use that code crime salad to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for five dollars and we would like to thank apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast There's so much going on in the world, whether it's stuff you're excited about, like how Halloween is right around the corner, or stuff you'd rather not think about, like the pandemic. You can't always control the vibes out there, but you can always control the vibes in your head with a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears. I've been using my Raycons to listen to uplifting music while going on walks with my baby. It's been a great tool to have just to take a break from reality. I just pop in my Raycons and it adds music to my walk. Whether you use them to pump up, wind down, work, or work out, Raycons are my go-to for on-the-go audio. And the new everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound even better. With an improved rubber oil look and feel, they look really great, and optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these are impressive before you even start listening and they're extremely comfortable. You get three new sound profiles to make sure everything you're listening to sounds its best with just the right amount of bass. You have pure mode for podcast listening, blues, instrumental, etc. There's balance mode for podcast listening, rock, heavy rock, metal. There's bass mode for hip-hop, EDM, reggae, etc. There's also an all-new awareness mode for when you need to listen to your surroundings instead. Raycons offer eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. There's also a built-in mic so you can take calls on your earbuds at the press of a button. Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they also sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee. Right now, Crime Cell listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash crime salad. That's buyraycon.com slash crime salad to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash crime salad. 
Imagine if every crime could be halted before it happened. Well, while you can't stop every criminal in their tracks, what if you could deter them? That's what Simply Safe's new wireless outdoor security camera does. It's wireless, so it can install anywhere, extending Simply Safe's perimeter of defense from your windows and doors to the far corners of your property. That's right, Simply Safe, the system that US News and World Report names best home security system of 2021, just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all of the advanced tech to help keep you and your family safe. It has an ultra-wide 140-degree field of view so you can keep watch over your entire yard. It has 1080p HD resolution with an 8 times zoom. That means you can zoom in and clearly see things like faces and license plates to capture critical evidence. And it has an easy-to-remove rechargeable battery so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. This camera has it all and it integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, extending its protection to the outside. Together, it means every door, window, and room are protected, and now your property will be too. To learn more about this exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/crimesalad. Simply Safe is offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash crime salad. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation. And let's be honest, most don't taste very good. They don't fill you up and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings. This episode is sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats with one gram of sugar or less. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars contain just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories. They're gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar, alcohols, or high-intensity sweeteners. While they're great for anyone when following a keto lifestyle, you absolutely do not have to be keto to love these. They are the perfect snack for anyone who is trying to eat better or just cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Personally, I'm on a mission to get fit, but I totally get in those moods where I'm just craving something sweet or just need a snack to hold me over. So I always keep Monk Pack granola bars on hand. Monk Pack keto granola bars have a soft and chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like coconut coca chip, peanut butter, and blueberry almond vanilla. Monk Pack snacks are seriously packed with deliciousness in every bite without the high intensity sweetener or aftertaste that is common in those low sugar items. They are actually satisfying. They're perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between Zoom calls, or just a guilt-free dessert. They taste incredible and you can't beat the low sugar nutrition they provide. And by shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store by getting Monk Pack delivered right to your door. I'm telling you guys, just give it a try for yourself and you'll see. And we have a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code crime salad at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, just go to M-U-N-K 
P-A-C-K.com and select any product, then enter the code Crime Salad at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. By mid-September, Gabby Petito had been missing for weeks, and the primary person who might know something about it was refusing to talk. Despite the laundry's lack of cooperation, police were able to make some headway in finding Gabby. They had retrieved the body cam footage from August 12th, the day the couple had been stopped by police for fighting. They also continued to search in Grand Teton, Wyoming, but given how large the national park there is, they struggled to narrow down their search. On September 17th, the case suddenly took an unexpected turn when the Laundries asked the police to come to their home. Police arrived and Chris and Roberta Laundry shared that their son Brian was missing now too. They shared that Brian had left on the 14th to go camping at the Carlton Reserve, a nearly 25,000 acre preserve in Sarasota County, Florida with over 80 miles of hiking trails. They were hoping that police would help them find their son. The FBI announced that they were now searching for Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie in two entirely separate places in the United States. For more than a day, local and federal agencies searched for Brian and Gabby. While no new leads were uncovered in Florida, a horrible discovery was made in Grand Teton National Park. On September 19th, over a week after she was initially reported missing, a body matching Gabby's description was found in the Spread Creek dispersed camping area of the Bridger Teton National Forest. Now believing they were dealing with a homicide, the police issued a warrant to search the Laundry's Northport home. They took Brian's car and a hard drive that they believed might contain evidence. His parents, Chris and Roberta, were also questioned. By September 21st, the Petito family's worst fears were confirmed. The body that had been found in Grand Teton National Park was that of their 22-year-old daughter, Gabby. While the coroner wasn't able to, at least publicly, confirm a specific cause of death, it was noted and shared that her death was a homicide. Now dealing with the murder, investigators increased their focus on finding Brian Laundrie. Though his behavior was suspicious, he was the last person known to have been with Gabby and had been demonstrating violent and aggressive tendencies during their trip, police didn't have enough evidence to charge him with anything officially. On September 23rd, police issued a federal arrest warrant for Brian, but not for anything to do with Gabby's murder. The warrant was about an unauthorized use of a Capital One bank card. Apparently, between August 30th and the 1st of September, Brian had used a debit card and a PIN for an account that didn't belong to him and made charges of more than $1,000. For the many people following Gabby's case, this was seen as disappointing. To the public and the Petito family, it seems clear that Brian knows more than he was letting on and that he had to have had some involvement with her death. But given the law, the best police could do was a low-level charge of misuse of a credit card. The Petito family asked that Brian turn himself into the FBI or the nearest law enforcement agency, but they were doubtful. After all of this time, Brian and his parents hadn't done anything to help them find their missing daughter. So why would they start now? 
The laundry's lawyer tried to assure the public that Chris and Roberta had no idea where their son was or what had happened to Gabby, but many weren't buying that. According to social media, many believed that his parents had assisted Brian in leaving town, giving him a three-day head start before the police started looking for him. On September 26th, a week after it was confirmed that Gabby was the victim of a murder, nearly 200 people gathered in Northport near City Hall for a memorial honoring Gabby Petito, some of which didn't even know Gabby personally. Her story, life, and legacy resonated with the community and many wanted to pay their respects. A funeral was also held in Long Island for the Petito family. Even though Gabby's body remained in Wyoming for an autopsy as the investigation continued, the family knew it was important to celebrate her life. The service which took place at Maloney's Holbrook Funeral Home was packed and it was also streamed online. Gabby's mother, father, and siblings spoke and shared beautiful stories about Gabby. In their eulogies, they shared hope that others would be inspired by Gabby's beautiful spirit to live every moment to its fullest and be kind and love one another. They asked that instead of sending flowers, those who wished to share their condolences would instead donate to the Gabby Petito Foundation, an organization that they were starting that would work to provide resources, guiding, and funding to families of missing children. While most missing persons cases do not get national attention, there was an overwhelming outpouring of support and attention given to the search for Gabby and now Brian Laundrie. Because of the media's focus, police received far more witness testimonies and tips that helped them find Gabby's body than they anticipated. In fact, it was another vlogger who noticed Gabby and Brian's van in the background of some of her footage that helped police narrow down their search. Without such attention, it could have been even longer before Gabby's body was found. In fact, there was actually another body located near where Gabby's body was found. Because of the attention given to Gabby, attention was brought to another person, Robert Bob Lowry, a 46-year-old man from Houston, Texas, who had gone missing around the same time as Gabby. They raised awareness in the Teton area and resulted in two people calling local authorities to share information about Bob Lowry's case. Police were able to use these tips to determine his last known location, what he was wearing and carrying with him, and eventually find his body near the Black Cannon Trail outside of Wilson, Wyoming. While both Gabby and Bob's cases ended with terrible loss, the public's focus on them allowed two grieving families to find some closure. But it also has emphasized a great divide in what cases garner, such as national public attention. Because Gabby and Brian are a young, attractive, white couple, many felt that they received a disproportionate amount of attention relative to other missing persons cases. This appears particularly salient in comparison to the over 700 indigenous people who have gone missing in the last 10 years in Wyoming, but have received little to no attention. The Petitos recognize that they were privileged in their search for Gabby and that many families are still looking for closure and are desperate for even a fraction of attention that Gabby received. They've encouraged the public to help their local authorities with equal concern, compassion, and care as they did for their daughter. 
as of today, Brian Laundrie is still a missing person, and the internet is rife with possible rumors. Some suggest that he's made it out of the country. Others have wondered if he was unable to survive the nature preserve and perhaps was eaten by wild animals. We hope that Brian, guilty or not, will be found soon to help the Petitos and all of those who have been impacted by Gabby's life find closure to this horrible chapter. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. (laughs) 